You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. Pushkin Hello, Tim Harford here. Hopefully you've got the drill by now. Another episode of Cautionary Tales will appear in your pod feed next week and indeed every other Friday. I'm sure you've listened to every episode in the back catalogue too, so what on earth to do while you wait? I am here to solve your problem. Because perhaps the greatest non-fiction writer on the planet, Michael Lewis, is back with a new series of his podcast, Against the Rules, and I'm about to share an episode with you. Michael's exploring what's happening to fairness in modern life. He's looked at referees and at coaches, now he's looking at experts including the kind of experts who transform people's lives for the better and get absolutely no credit whatsoever for it. Every episode of the series so far has been riveting, but my favourite, for reasons I'll explain in a moment, is Respect the Polygon. Respect the Polygon is about the way that better data has revolutionised our understanding of a life and death issue. Armed with their data, the experts are now way more accurate, which means they're way more likely to save your life. This is a subject close to my heart. I wrote a book, The Data Detective, all about how to make sense of numbers, and in particular, all about how our emotions so often get in the way. We could see the world so much more clearly if we wanted to, but often we're just so, well, just so angry that we don't. This episode is a delight to listen to. If you enjoy it 40% as much as I did, then I enjoyed it 150% more than you, if you get my meaning. You can and should listen to more Against the Rules episodes wherever you get podcasts. And now, here's Michael Lewis with Respect the Polygon. What's your biggest fear? I'd say the biggest fear is some something, a mistake that I would make that would damage my credibility to where people would not listen to me when there's a tornado down. James Spann, meteorologist. 
may be Alabama's best-known person aside from some football coaches. He's all over TV talking about the weather, especially when the weather might kill you. This is a tornado emergency for the cities of Tuscaloosa and Northport and the campus of the University of Alabama. James is one of those people who's never really had a job because he found his calling. He once stayed on the air as he watched a tornado make straight for his own home, pleading with people to see the risk. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, this is James Spann with Taylor Serrano, mainly checking on my wife. Uh, we've got several uh, she, she's, o- she's okay and she's in the tornado shelter. Okay, go ahead, Taylor, I'm sorry. I was put on this planet to mitigate loss of life when there are tornadoes flying around here. And I have to be very careful in what I say and what I do, not just on the air, but on social media and in real life. To build trust with his audience, James goes to incredible lengths. He's published a children's book called Benny and Chipper, Prepared, Not Scared. He spends time in dollar stores talking to people. Because the people who shop in dollar stores are also the people who live in trailer homes, the sort of homes that tornadoes obliterate. He memorizes the names of Alabamians who've died in storms. People he might have saved. There's lots of them. On a single day back in April 2011, a line of tornadoes in Alabama killed 253 people. I know they're stories. I know their family members. I, I've talked to many of them, and it's very motivating for me, and uh, that's my main job in life. It's to make the warning process better with severe weather. He's doing all he can to warn people, yet people still don't understand what he's saying. I'm Michael Lewis. Welcome back to Against the Rules, where we explore unfairness in American life by looking at what's happened to various characters in American life. This season is all about experts. Today we're going to explore the strange thing that's happened to experts. Not all experts, a certain percentage of them. The experts who think and speak in probabilities, who use data to forecast the likelihood of this or that coming to pass. The experts who can never be perfectly certain and who risk our wrath because we love thinking in absolutes. James Spann has been making and explaining weather forecasts for the better part of half a century. In that time, it's kind of incredible how much has changed. So so here's a 1978 forecast. Partly sunny tomorrow with a chance of showers and the high of 80. That's it. So today, under the same circumstances, I'd say we'll have a pretty good bit of sunshine between 9 and 11 o'clock. After 11 o'clock, Uh, Rain is likely between 11 and 1. The chance of any one spot getting wet during that two-hour window is about 75%. It's going to rain about a half inch in most places. There could be some thunder. Most of that should be out of here by 2.30. After 3 o'clock, you're good to go. The sun breaks back out. Temperature should peak around 80 at 1 o'clock and falling back into the 70s by 4 o'clock. That's the difference in what we can do now compared to 1978. It's the difference between daylight and darkness. If you go back to the beginning of your career, were you encouraged to speak to the audience that way? Like, we don't know that much about this. This could be wrong. Oh, no, no, no. They don't want you to say that. I mean, goodness. You know, back back in the 70s, this was when TV news was coming of age. You know, eyewitness news. You know, 
and, and they wanted to be this godlike figure, you know, on television. I, I I was scared to communicate uncertainty because that wasn't encouraged. We we were the news, the evening news, the Ron Burgundy newscast. Weather forecasts are inherently uncertain. The where, the when, the how much. With the current data we have, the best you can do is judge the odds. But the odds have gotten much more accurate over time. Back when James Spann was a young meteorologist, he knew very little, but tried to sound like he knew a lot. Now that he knows a lot, he works hard to explain what he doesn't know. You're giving the audience more information and more nuanced information, so it's more demanding on the audience. Right, it is. And, you know, I hear this all the time. I just want to know if it's going to rain tomorrow. And they want a yes or a no. They want that deterministic forecast. Deterministic, as in perfectly predictable, which is something the weather still isn't. When James Spann started out, the 10-day forecast was no better than just guessing. Now it's a lot better. But maybe the most obvious improvement, the one people really should notice, has been in forecasters' understanding of the kind of weather that kills people. In 1978, we were using 1957 era radar and uh, the old black and white printouts of radar. It looked like somebody barfed on a piece of paper. And so warnings in 1978, let's say we had a tornado down. We didn't really know where it was. We had an idea. So warnings were issued by an entire county. Tornadoes, even the big tornadoes are small and counties are huge. So here you are warning an entire county to get into your safe place and do something where most people didn't need to do anything. Where today we know literally within maybe a few city blocks of where the tornado is located. Well, so if I'm a consumer of tornado warnings, I get a much more precise warning. And I, do I get a more advanced warning? Am I likely to get it? Get more, more time to prepare for this thing? Yes. The average lead time here is about uh, 12 to 15 minutes. And the average lead time back in the 70s was zero to three minutes. Uh, so we, we've come a long way. And we don't use counties anymore. We use small, small, small segments of counties, geometric shapes, polygons. Anybody that knows James Spann, I've said this over and over, respect the polygon. And if you're in it, you do something. Respect the polygon. If you're in the polygon, you respect the polygon. Respect the polygon. Every storm today will mean business. Respect the A James Spann superfan did a remix of his famous phrase. Respect the polygon. I love this, of course, but it also raises a question. Why? Respect the polygon instead of just respect what I say. It's weird. If the James Spann back in 1978 had been as accurate as James Spann is now, he'd have endured hailstorms of gratitude, hurricanes of appreciation, tornadoes of awe. But that's not the weather he now lives with. Hello, friends. This is James Spann. It's time to read some mean tweets. And thanks to all of you for sending in the mean tweets. I really appreciate them from my heart. You cost the people in the state millions of dollars by your boop, poor boop forecasts. I woke up today expecting snow. I blame you, James. I got my dogs all excited for nothing. James, either you're the worst meteorologist I've ever layer my eyes on or you have the worst luck of predicting the weather. I think it's time to step down, brother. 
The only difference between James Spann and every other meteorologist is that James reads his mean tweets on the air. Just to show you where we stand, my producer called up some weather tweeters. Here's the kinds of things that people have to say. Weather forecasting is the only job you can have where you can be wrong 50% of the time and still make thousands of dollars. If we were wrong 50% in our jobs, we probably would be fired. I know nothing about meteorologists, but I know that, you know, they always wrong. I'm one of those people that actually rarely looks at the weather forecast because nine times out of ten, it's different from the forecast. As technology improves, they don't improve. They continue to be wrong. It's mind-boggling. You're going to get the hate not necessarily because of your missed weather forecast, but just because of who you are. You're a you're a weather person, and and you know you're a stooge. You're a you don't deserve to be on the planet. You shouldn't be breathing air. You know? <laughs> people have that attitude towards weather people. Oh, listen, listen. I, I so I cut off a basketball game on Christmas Day in 2015, and we had a, a tornado coming up on the southwest part of the city here. It could have killed a lot of people. Uh, so we had to cover up about 20, 25 minutes of that game, and, and nobody lost their life. The, the warning system worked beautifully. But this is Christmas Day. Joy to the world. Peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. The first email I got, you know what it said? It said, you should have been aborted by a coat hanger. Uh, so oh this is the stuff I deal with. I mean, I'm amazed he still goes on the air. His forecasts just keep getting better and better. But the job of being a meteorologist just keeps getting worse and worse. I tell these young people, you know, you better have a thick skin when you get out of here and you get your first job because they're going to come after you when you foul that first forecast up. Back in an earlier season of this show, I talked about the problem of referees and a strange phenomenon. A lot of refs are getting better at their jobs. They have new tools. They're better trained. They get better feedback. So they're less likely to repeat mistakes. I mean, there's just no way that the refs in pro sports are less accurate than they were 40 years ago, when there was no replay, less training, and all the refs got hired from the same old boys club. But they didn't used to need police escorts from the arenas. Now they do. In December of 2021, tornadoes ripped through Kentucky. Weather experts gave people lots of warning. So this is just an explosive severe weather setup, and that's the outlook that we have heading our way, especially after midnight through about 8 o'clock in the morning. We definitely need to stay aware of the weather. Meteorologists like this guy on WHAS-TV in Louisville were better than they'd ever been. Make sure you have a way to wake up if a warning is issued like this one that we have. That night in Kentucky, at least 77 people were killed, more people than have ever died from a weather event in the state's history. All people had to do to survive was listen to the experts. And still a lot of them didn't. As a loyal listener to cautionary tales, you probably consider yourself pretty smart, and you are. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet, but you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, 
make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix may not be able to rewrite history or take on society's problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home. Pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalised pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians know your local pests the best. So even though they don't know in-depth world history, you can bet they know how to make your pest problem history. And with customised plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. I think that having data is a really recent phenomenon. Rebecca Golden, math professor at George Mason University. We didn't have data about how things were. We didn't record what happened previously. And it's only really recently that we think maybe our lived experiences could be in part based on something probabilistic. Like a lot of people who are good at math, Rebecca noticed the confusion and wrongheadedness of people who weren't. She also noticed that even when statistics and these new big piles of data were properly explained, people didn't really grasp their meaning. People have a hard time being convinced by data. It's just that they don't think that their experience is, is in line with that data, and so they dismiss it. Or they have other experiences that tell them that there are reasons to be skeptical of the source of that data or the source of the statements that are relying on that data. The problem isn't just in the quality of the information we have access to. It's in the way we make sense of the world. There's a, a very large segment of the population who are really struggle with basic mathematics. So people are making mistakes because they don't think in probabilities. I think that's right. Rebecca actually helped to start an organization called STATS to expose the statistical mistakes made by journalists. She thought that if statistics were conveyed more accurately to the public, the public would see the world more clearly. Eventually, she decided she was wasting her time. Because there was this bigger problem, how people comprehend statistics, even when they're accurate. Why is it that people don't think in probabilities? Like the world's probabilistic, why are our minds so deterministic? 
It's kind of a philosophical question. I think we're hardwired to believe it. I think it helps us make decisions without being stressed about those decisions. It helps us act with certainty and make decisions. So we don't hesitate too much and think too hard. In the savanna, we don't say, that's probably a lion. Right. We just we just, we just run. run. <laughs> but to just run is less and less a viable way to move through the world. Because this relatively new thing called data has given us a far shrewder alternative. Everywhere you turn, you find someone analyzing data to generate the same sort of probabilistic understanding of the world that weather people do. I kind of come from this world of like, you know, kind of quants and like baseball geeks and like poker players. That's Nate Silver. He got swept up in the 1990s by the statistical revolution in baseball. And I think I'm kind of like one of the relatively few people who's kind of escaped, so to speak, from that world Mm -hmm. into like mainstream society. Back in 2007, Nate quit forecasting the future of young baseball players. He began to forecast elections instead. It's sort of what you're doing is actually accepting the possibility that maybe you can predict something. That's right. Um, But yeah, it's like kind of like, Saying, hey, look, we built an audience for this in in baseball, and so politics is still in the Stone Age, and so there must be kind of an audience for this in politics, too. When you turn your attention to politics, um, at what point are you aware that the expertise in political forecasting is sort of limited, <laughs> that there's kind of an opportunity? I mean, I had an intuition from that from the very beginning. In politics, I mean, the campaigns have to be fairly smart and data-driven about their voter targeting, but like, but the media was all about kind of narratives. Um, <laughs> it was really quite bad in 2008, right? It's really like a bunch of like, you know, old white men getting together and kind of deciding based on, <laughs> you know, what their friends think, kind of what the narrative should be. In the presidential primaries of 2008, Nate Silver gave an upstart senator named Barack Obama a much better chance than most everyone else did. In the general election, he nailed not just the outcome, but the result in every state, plus the precise number of votes Obama received in the Electoral College. People paid more attention to what Nate had done than how he'd done it. He'd simply used polling data rather than his gut or some anecdote about some Iowa farmer. The polling data might not be perfect, but it was better than every other source of information. And Nate never made outright predictions. He issued political forecasts, like weather forecasts, with probabilities attached to them. Going into Election Day of 2008, he'd given Obama a 90.9% chance of winning. I mean, the ironic thing about it is like, is like there was always a chance that we would be wrong. You know what I mean? And, yep. then, and then probably never heard from him in politics again, potentially. Instead, Nate became, basically overnight, the country's leading political forecaster because his expertise was superior to the storytelling it replaced. Nate Silver is his name. Fortune-telling is his game. He's a celebrity statistician. Please welcome Nate Silver. That's right. Nate Silver's the goodwill hunting of political prognostication. There's a difference between weather forecasting or sports statistics and politics. 
A difference more of degree than kind, but still a difference. The people who celebrated Nate Silver really, really didn't understand how to judge him. His better insights into polling data had allowed him to see that Obama was basically always doing better than political pundits thought he was doing. But there was still no law that said Obama had to win. Polling data is a bit like the data that card counters get in blackjack. It's a lot better than having no data at all. It helps you to predict what comes next. But even card counters lose lots of hands. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Decision Night in America here at NBC's Democracy Plaza. Which brings us to 2016. Nate Silver now had an enormous following. Once again, the pundits gave Hillary Clinton better odds than the polls. On election day, Nate gave Donald Trump a roughly 30% chance of winning. At the time, that was a radical call. Few traditional pundits thought Trump had that much of a shot. Yeah. I guess, question, guys, are we post-Nate Silver? Are we pulled out? Uh, well, they've been not, wrong. Not sure. only just wrong, they're just, they're superfluous, and at the point where they just... That's when you kind of begin to realize that, like, <laughs> um, the way you define success and the way other people look at your forecast as being successful um, are very different. And also because it wasn't just that, like, we got criticized after 2016 for having, quote-unquote, been wrong. It was also, in the run-up 2016, people were actually mad at us for not being confident enough in Clinton's chances, right? Nate never claimed to have some mystical ability to call a presidential election. And assigning probabilities is not the same as taking sides. Yelling at him for saying that Donald Trump had a 30% chance of winning was like being mad at the weatherman for saying there was a 30% chance of rain. And then getting mad all over again after it rains. I'm going to get myself in a little bit of trouble for saying this, right? But like, People like me really care about being right, quote unquote, <laughs> um, for the intrinsic value of like making a good forecast, as opposed to like influencing the narrative, <laughs> if you will. Okay, so I, I would love, because it would educate me, how do you evaluate a probabilistic a forecast? What's the right way for people to judge Nate Silver expert? The right way is um, if you take a whole bunch of forecasts that we've made and look at how they're done collectively, right? So let's say you made 100 forecasts where the favorite had a 70% chance of winning. Look at that group of forecasts and was it true that the favorite actually won about 70% of the time, right? The flip side of that yep. is that like, um, it does mean that like, you can tell very little from from any one prediction. I mean, unless you're like, unless you're very, very close to 100 or to 0%, right? Then one prediction alone won't tell you that much. Experts have gotten better, but they've also gotten harder to judge. So hard that you need an expert to judge them. And that's a problem, right? I mean, who's going to go to the trouble of evaluating hundreds of Nate Silver's forecasts? And while it's true that he's made thousands of election forecasts, he hasn't made thousands of forecasts for presidential elections. Most people don't even think about elections or forecasts or anything else the way Nate Silver does. Most people don't even speak his language. I actually think that um, the word uncertainty is used in English in a very different way than uncertainty is used in statistics. Rebecca Golden again. So when we talk about uncertainty in statistics, 
we might say something about a confidence interval, or we might use a p-value. I'm not really sure you want this on your podcast. Like maybe that's a little bit too technical. It might be better to um, trying to think of how it might be better to talk about uncertainty for your public. <laughs> well, this is at the root of the matter. So because yeah. this, it's not just my podcast listeners who are cut above right. the average human being. It's it's like how the American public understands uncertainty. How do you right. con- how do you convey it? I think the best way to talk about it is to actually put it with specific numbers. Like instead of talking percentages, let's talk about numbers. Instead of 10%, say one in 10, that kind of thing. But there's a much bigger problem behind all this, an emotional problem. It comes from us wanting certainty in situations where certainty just doesn't exist. If the weatherman says there's an 80% chance of rain and it doesn't rain, the people on the receiving end of the forecast don't say, oh, that was one of the 20% of the, that was one of the times when it wasn't going to rain. They say the expert doesn't know what he's talking about. So the inability to think in terms of probabilities also becomes an inability to evaluate the experts. There's a huge amount of inability to evaluate who is an expert. And uh, yeah, it costs lives. It really does. A new kind of expert appears on the scene. An expert who works with these new big piles of data. An expert who thinks in probabilities. An expert who admits to being uncertain. These new experts are clearly better than the experts they replaced. And yet people treat them as if they're worse and neglect their advice, even when their lives depend on it. We who depend on the experts still want them to have a definitive answer. Either it will rain or it won't. Trump either will win or he won't. But that's not the nature of the world we live in. And we're having some trouble accepting that fact. As a loyal listener to cautionary tales, you probably consider yourself pretty smart, and you are. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before Nerd Wallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix may not be able to rewrite history or take on society's problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home. 
pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalised pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians know your local pests the best. So even though they don't know in-depth world history, you can bet they know how to make your pest problem history. And with customised plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. The more you look for it, the more you see this problem we've been talking about. The problem of the experts getting better yet being treated as if they've gotten worse. A problem that leads to a lot of mystifying behavior. Like what's gone on the past two years inside the American healthcare system. I definitely saw a lot of this coming. Allison Fearing is a nurse at Rush Copley Medical Center in Aurora, Illinois. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come in and say, I have this because I read X, Y, and Z on WebMD, so I know that that's what's going on. And it's like, well, there's a lot more that goes into it that we need to work up further because there are also other things that this could be, and we won't know this until we diagnose it with lab work or a CAT scan or whatever. Has this been going on your whole career? I would say it's definitely gotten worse over the past five years or so. I think... Prior to that, there was a bit of it, but definitely not to the extent that there is now. Modern medicine is one of the great miracles of our age. If you went to a doctor in the 19th century, he was more likely to kill you than cure you. Now he's vastly more likely to cure you, and the odds of that get better with each passing day. Do you think there's anything that if it happened to me that required me to go to the emergency room, that I'd be better off 40 years ago than now? Honestly, no, I really can't think of a single thing just because we have so much technology. At first glance, she's not really like James Spann or Nate Silver. Doctors and nurses don't usually speak in probabilities. But her expertise is essentially probabilistic. Behind her is a world of medical science that's calculating the odds all the time. The odds that you have this disease as opposed to that one. The odds that this treatment will work versus that one. Every year, Gallup publishes polls that show nursing is America's most trusted profession. But every year, the number of people who say they trust nurses and doctors, that number keeps falling. Allison sees it in the number of patients who argue with a diagnosis or treatment. I, for one, would like not ever like go to my mechanic with my car and be like, oh, I know it's, you know, whatever, because I know nothing about cars. Like, I know nothing. And so it's just really wild for me to see that um, in healthcare because a human body is so significantly more complicated than a car. If I went on Facebook and I said, if you go jump off the Bay Bridge, you'll fly and it'll be the greatest experience mm -hmm. of your life. There aren't a whole lot of people going to go jump off the Bay Bridge. Right. Uh, that, that, what is it about this kind of information that causes people to respond to it? The answer popped into my head as soon as I'd asked the question, which I realize raises a question about the question. 
There are exactly zero examples of people jumping off the Bay Bridge and flying to safety because there's no uncertainty involved. However, there are plenty of examples of doctors and nurses being wrong because medical expertise is a series of probabilistic judgments. The experts are using huge piles of data to judge the odds, the odds that the vaccine will make you ill or keep you safe. Which brings us to our most recent national crisis. I have been hit while trying to, you know, perform a COVID swab on somebody who is very clearly dying and, like, crashing fast, and we need to do everything fast. And we say what we're doing. Hey, I'm Allie. I'm your nurse today. I'm going to be swabbing your nose real quick for a COVID swab and getting batted at, you know, told that this is not COVID, that this is just bronchitis, and just give me treatment for bronchitis. This isn't what's going on. And it's like watching somebody basically... uh, breakdown right in front of you and watching them choose to uh, basically not help themselves. You've heard some version of these stories, and you likely have an opinion about them. But what haunts Allison is one particular case. He was a member of our local police department and, you know, worked as a copy. I mean, he was like the epitome of health. He had no pre-existing issues, nothing else going on. And unfortunately, he was unvaccinated um, and came in very, very ill. I took some time to call his wife and explain to her what was going on, um, what the game plan was, what we knew so far. And the first thing that she had said to me was, just so you guys know, he does not want to be intubated. He knows what happens when people go on on the ventilator and he knows that hospitals are killing people with this. So this is a police officer who thinks hospitals Mm -hmm. are killing people. Yes. I just had to like take a step back and be like, if only you could see the tears in your husband's eyes right now and see how absolutely terrified he is right now and understand that this is not something that we're wanting to do. Allison was faced with a man with a severe case of COVID who had refused the vaccine. Now the man's wife wouldn't let the hospital improve his odds of living. We had an extra 30 minutes or so before I had to take him up to the ICU. And so I thought, okay, you know, I know how this is going to go. I've seen how this has gone. Allison's patient wasn't insane. Not in the way a person would be if they jumped off the Bay Bridge thinking they were going to fly, when there are zero chances of that happening. The patient had refused a vaccine. There are actual true stories of people getting sick from the vaccine. And look at all those unvaccinated people who were totally fine. The wife was refusing to allow the treatment most likely to save his life. Well, there are actual true cases of people being put on ventilators when they'd been better off if they hadn't. In a probabilistic world, improbable things do happen. We hear stories of the unlikely thing coming true or not coming to pass, and they stick in our minds. But so does Allison's story. I went into his room and, you know, gowned up and everything and asked, hey, like, we have a few minutes. Do you want to try FaceTiming your family? And so we get his phone out. We FaceTime his wife. And a couple minutes later, she says, hey, do you want to say hi to the boys? The boys want to say hi to you. And she brings on his young children. And I mean, they were like three and five years old, if I had to guess. In my heart, I knew this might be the very last time that they ever get to see their dad. And they they start saying, Daddy, Daddy, we love you, we love you. 
And then one says, why aren't you saying it back, dad? And I had to pan the camera over to myself and say, oh no, he's saying it back. You just can't hear him. The machines are really loud in here, but your daddy loves you and he's saying it back too, I promise. And we got off the phone call and I got him up to ICU and I had to take a good 10 minutes uh, to go to the bathroom and just cry. What happened to him? He unfortunately passed away a week later. We're not wired to see the odds. We're not wired to accept the expertise that falls out of a giant pile of data. But our minds still long for the simple answer, rooted in our personal experience or some story we've heard, even when the simple answer kills us. We don't naturally respect the polygon, but really we should. Really we should. Against the Rules is written and hosted by me, Michael Lewis, and produced by Catherine Girardot and Lydia Jean Cott. Julia Barton is our editor, with additional editing by Audrey Dilling. Beth Johnson is our fact checker, and Mia Lobel executive produces. Our music is created by John Evans and Matthias Bossi of Stellwagen Symphonette. We record our show at Berkeley Advanced Media Studios, expertly helmed by Topher Ruth. Thanks also to Jacob Weisberg, Heather Fain, John Schnars, Carly Migliori, Christina Sullivan, Nicole Morano, Royston Beserve, Daniela Lacan, Mary Beth Smith, and Jason Gambrell. And an extra special thanks to Sam Sharples for letting us use his amazing Respect the Polygon remix. Against the Rules is a production of Pushkin Industries. Keep in touch. Sign up for Pushkin's newsletter at pushkin.fm or follow at Pushkin Pods. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That was a preview of the new season of Against the Rules with Michael Lewis. I promise it will leave you thinking differently about the experts in our society. Find Against the Rules wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could smarter you do with better travel rewards? A free flight, a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. In the 90s, New York detective Louis Garcella locked up the worst criminals. Putting bad guys away. There's no feeling like it. Then jailhouse lawyers took aim, led by Derek Hamilton. Garcella took me to the precinct and lied. 20 men eventually walked free. Now... In the Burden podcast, after a decade of silence, Luis Garcella finally tells his story, and so does Derek Hamilton. 
Listen to The Burden on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.